let's get right into the word for today. And uh, God is so good. I just, I love his word. Amen. I do. I love his, I love his word. And I want to remind all of you that we are all on a journey, learning and growing in the things of God. If no one's ever told you that, I want to be the first to tell you that you're on a journey. The scripture says, and the old saints used to say, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And so while we are here, we know that God has an assignment for us. And, um, and so I want to continue in this uh, spirit-leading thought of a fresh vision, and um, I, I want to continue there, and it, it works with what God has given me. So uh, with your Bible, I want you to turn to First John chapter 4, verse 16, First John chapter 4, verse 16. Last week, I shared a message entitled, With His Love, and today, the message is, Love Looks Down, and so I just want to clarify what I mean by love, and let's look in the scriptures to see what love is, and then we're going to go to an, an Old Testament passage that I have never read before, and so I'm super excited. I spent all week seeking the face of the Lord to give me direction in regards to this amazing text about the character of God, the character of God. How do you know you have a fresh vision? The character of God is highlighted in your life. All right, that's how you know your first vision, that the character of God is highlighted in your life. You're like, oh, man, I never saw that. And God shows you an aspect of him. So in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, we'll read them, we'll pray. It says, for so we have come to know. That's the journey part I was talking about. So we have come to know intellectually. We have come to know, and the ultimate goal is God wants you to come to know him experientially. He wants you to have an experience with them. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. So let me pause it for a second because I really want you to get this because when we talk about love looks down, we ultimately want to get to a place where we understand that love came down. That love came down. And so it says, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Let that sink in for a minute. I think what's really important about this particular text is because we're on a journey, as I've referenced before. And where God has taken us and why the character of God's love is so important is because you have to understand the journey where God's taking you. Some will say the journey. You see, love looks down, and so we want to get to where he says God is love. And so to reach that revelation, you have to understand the journey. And so one of the first things we must understand is that our perspective is messed up because of a fallen world of which we live in. We live in a fallen world. That's why there's sickness. That's why there's disease. That's why there's plague. That's why there's pandemic. That's why there is rape. That's why there is murder. That's why there is gossip. That's why there is greed. Come on, you know what I mean? The sins that we don't want to talk about as well. You know what I mean? Those greedy things that we have. We live in a fallen world. And so to try to come to know the love of God, God to try to get to the place to believe the love that God has for us, we have to struggle with this fallen world that tries to express love, right? And I referred to that last week, and that's very important if you're going to witness or evangelize. 
It's very important to understand where people are coming from. It's very important to understand that there is an enemy. His name is Lucifer, Satan, the dragon, the serpent, the enemy of your soul, like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In a fallen world, the enemy is looking for somebody to devour. And to devour can simply mean, ready for this, to mess with who you think God is. That's his ultimate goal. He will possess, he will oppress, he will inflict, he will do those things, but only if he can get you to not know the character of God. And so to have relationships in a fallen world is difficult. It is literally impossible because somebody will renege on the contract. Come on. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? And so you can know someone for, for a long time, but if they live in a fallen state, I promise you they'll flip out on you and change. And so how we live then is because we then have to live by our emotions. We're driven by it because that's our only safeguard. It's the only thing that we have in a fallen world to be able to protect ourselves is to be able to look and to be able to comprehend and to say, well, I have to trust my emotions because they're the only thing that seems to be consistent in my life. And so whether they're wrong or right, they work for me. (laughs) And so here... John is right, and he wants him to come to know and to believe the love that God has him. So he has to recognize that you're coming out of a fallen world. They put it this way, that you no longer live. You've been translated, or you've been, you've been called out from the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we walk in the light. And so the fallen world now still exists. How many of you know that? That you're saved, but you still have to experience the fallen world. And that's why we have to continually depend on Jesus, depend on his grace. And that's why I said you must have the Holy Spirit. That you cannot, you cannot make it in this fallen world without the Holy Spirit. You lose your mind. You lose your mind. So the second thing that we do then as we come to Jesus, and this is the danger of religion, but it's the only thing that really is better than the fallen world is that we now learn how to function so we move from a fallen world to now how do i function in this new world how do i function and so people come because they hear the gospel because somebody preached the gospel by the way that's how people get saved someone has to preach the gospel to them how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel so people can actually go on this journey and get to know the love of god there's much in America that we have Bibles and people have more than one. Come on. We still have to preach the gospel to people and let them know. You don't have to live in a fallen world, in a fallen state. That's good news. Come on. That people have hope now. And you can say you can function. So what happens is people, your loved ones, come out of the culture. They, they come out from the world. And they come to a, a church service. And so the guilt that was riding them because the enemy continued to remind them they were no good. And all of a sudden, they hear a message, and we ask them to make a decision, and they say the Lord's Prayer, and we stop it right there. And so on this journey, preachers only take you to learn how to function. That's it. Here's how you're going to be a better person. 
And so all you really are doing is you're just not like the people in the world anymore. And so you are functioning. And so this is where now you realize that, okay, I, I understand the golden rule now. I understand do unto others as they want to do unto, unto me. And, and so we function. But I want to let you know that love looks down and love says, I just don't want you to function. I want you to experience freedom. Oh, write that down. See, see, you don't just stop at functioning. You have to get to this place of where we understand freedom. 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 And it's hard to, it's hard to separate being part of a nation where freedom is, is promoted, and, and yet there's a freedom that's found in Christ. So my freedom in Christ compels me to deal with a nation and say, let's walk in freedom. Because I was born here, or I became a citizen here, or God has me here. And so, therefore, because I'm not just functioning, waiting to get to heaven, that I understand the freedom and the liberty in Christ, I have to then recognize that love looks down, and I have something to do because I'm free. That I'm free from public opinion. Oh, come on, somebody. So I can love you as Christ loves you unconditionally. And so therefore I can parent like this. I can lead a business this way. That I just don't want to function in your life. I want you to experience the freedom from my life. Write that down. That is so good. And so, and so we see in Acts 10 verse 38. The Bible says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Who went about doing good. So this is Jesus now. In Acts 10, 38 says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And so when you understand that love looks down, guess what? Because you are in Christ and you're going to understand the love of God. Guess who God has anointed? You and I. Come on. Oh, come on. I need someone to understand the fresh vision. There's a fresh vision that God who anointed Jesus, who did good, he anointed you and me as well to do good. Why? Because we're free. We're not just functioning in the religious system. No, he broke that. We are now free. Come on. And who the son is set free is free indeed. And you are anointed. Why? Because love looks down. And so... He gets us to this place now, he says, because God is love. And as you understand this journey, you now get to this place where he says, so this is what you do now. Whoever abides in this freedom, whoever remains in this freedom. In other words, don't let the devil talk you out of it. No, that's the fallen world. Don't let someone tell you you don't have to do all that. That's functioning. You got to get to a place where you understand who you are and that this nation needs free people. Come on, to remind them that God has set us free. Can I get somebody to help me out? So therefore, we won't let evil dominate this nation. Come on, because we're free. It's not just functioning. It's not just cohabitation. Come on. It's freedom. And it's the righteousness of God. Why? Because when you pray, you pray this prayer. Your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because love looks down. Oh, you have to understand the prayer that God wants his church to pray. I I am convinced. I'm 100% convinced that the greatest weapon we have is love. If you understand what I just talked about. And so when we say love, many people in this fallen world, and that's where they express it. And so we got, you can't do that because that's destructive to your nature. It's contrary to your design. I'm not talking about your pleasure. I wouldn't argue over your pleasure. What you feel, you feel. 
So when we talk about love, don't get caught up in talking about the pleasure. Come on. Come on. Because they'll win the argument. But when we talk about their design, their function, oh, good God, I'm on. And their nature, you set them free. Why? Because Jesus, come on, was anointed by God, and God has anointed you as well. Because love looks down. So your prayer now is this for this nation. It's Lord, let your kingdom come. Not religion, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Because you can claim to be a Christian, but not understand the kingdom. And so one caused you to function being a Christian. But the kingdom is a freedom. Oh, man, that is so good. That is so good. That's why Jesus says, repent for Christians here. No. Repent because the kingdom of God is here. And so when you pray, God, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on where? Earth as it is where? In heaven. Because love looks down. You've got to understand this. And so God is now saying to his church, how I'm going to move in this nation, I rarely ever do this. Because I'm not one to go up and say, well, God said this and just, and just prophesy. I'm scared to do that, right? So I would tend to be like, here's what I feel. Here's what I think God is saying to me. I'm learning this thing. We're all on a journey. We're on a journey. I'd rather with a sincere heart and love in my heart declare something and say, God, forgive me, than to be quiet and sit on the bench. You know what I mean? And have people go to hell because no one told them there is a way, come on, that you can escape that. And so I'm at a point in my life now where, and it's, it's kind of a little bit personal, but, but um, I, I hate when I grow up my, my beard and, and Megan loves it. I'm, and I'm 51 now, you know, and we're at a point in our marriage where I'm like, okay, honey, um, I'll grow it out. But if it bugs me, I'm shaving it off. And so I'm, I'm doing it. And I, and I just felt like, you know, Ro, it's time for a change. It, I mean, God is changing me inside. I'm like, it's time for a change. And so now I'm getting this boldness, and people are praying this boldness over me. And I'm like, you know, it's time to be bold. It's just time to be bold. Come on, can someone say amen to that? It's just time to be bold. What do you got to lose anyways? You know what I mean? Let's just be bold. But if you understand the love of God, then you can be bold in God, right? And so I bring that up because I get to this place where I'm like, you know, I believe with everything inside of me that, that what God is going after in this nation, I can't speak for the other nations of the world. I can only speak for where God has assigned me. He's breaking down pride. He's literally destroying it. He is ripping it apart because he understands that is what is hindering his move. Go to Psalms 113, verse 4 to 6, please. Because my first point is this, is that love looks down. Thank you, Jesus, for this. And, and, and this is vital. This is so important. Humbles to look down. So Psalms 113, verses 4 to 6. I'm going to read it in four different translations because I want you to understand as I was looking into this, I had to make sure I did proper research and got revelation of it because I've never read this text before. And in the context of love came down and all that God is doing the month of December and what God plans to do in 2022, this is where we land. I'm telling you, do not move from here. If this text doesn't resonate in your spirit, stay there until it does. Because I'm prophesying right now that God has given fresh vision in this house. 
Someone here needs a fresh vision personally. We need a fresh vision prophetically. Come on, because we need to align with what God is doing. And right here is the text that shows us the most important thing is right here. in Psalms 113, verse 4 to 6. And it's the English Standard Version I'll start with first. This is what it says. Verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the what? Heavens and the earth. Connect that with the prayer of Jesus he told us to pray. Okay, let's go to the the new uh, international version. The Lord is exalted above all the nations. His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? The one who sits enthroned on high. Verse 6, who stoops down to look. I love that language. On the what? The heavens and the earth. Okay. Let's go to the new King James before I finish off with the King James. Come on, so good. Let's go to the new King James. The Lord is high above all the nations. His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high. Here it is. Who humbles himself to behold. What? Hold on a second. Stop the bus. Everybody get off. What did I just read? So verse 4, verse 5 is talking about God. Are we clear about that? And they give us, yes, I agree, yes. And he says, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. Who humbles himself hmm, to behold. It didn't say God is humble. It says God humbles himself. Come on. Hmm. And you have to catch that because when God reveals his character, he wants to make sure you understand it because the enemy is going to challenge you about God's character. And so then he would want you to think that God is humble as opposed to recognize who humbles himself to behold. Mm. There's a difference. Minor but major in the revelation understanding. The new American standard. Bible puts it this way, similar. Who is like the Lord our God who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. So I give you four translations. I I, I looked at them and I said, this is it. So the first point to understand that love looks down and to understand this journey of love is this first point. Humbles to look. So we're dealing with the character of God now. Now this particular psalm is part of a collection of psalms that they would sing. It was a hymn that they would sing on one of the major festivals. Typically it was the Passover. It was a song that they were singing. This is not David wrote. This was now them coming out of Egypt. They were out of deliverance. They came out of the fallen world. Follow with me now. And they were functioning in the wilderness. But God wanted to get them where? If we know our Bibles, into the promised land where they would be free. But it wasn't them just walking in there and God taking out their enemies. They had to declare the character of God when they got to the promised land. They had to make sure they were established and living in the promised land according to the freedom that they had because they just came out of Egypt. Are you following me so far? So when God calls you out of this world, there is a journey through the wilderness that we function in. But now we got to get to this freedom aspect of things. And what we're seeing revealed here is that when they would sing this particular hymn, they were recognized that this was looking at God's character. 
at God's character. So when we look at a holiday, biblically, it's called a holy day. So whenever God established a particular gathering, it was always to reveal his holiness, to reveal his love. Are you following me so far? That's why Christmas, we can't lose Christ in Christmas. We, got, we have to defend it. We've got to say, no, it's Merry Christmas, and it's a holy day because we serve a holy God. Why? Because let your kingdom come, come on, in earth as it is in heaven. And so when God looks down, oh, my goodness, he humbles himself to look. Let me break this down for you because this is so incredible. This is so awesome. You see, the phrase looks far down is literally he makes low to look or humbles to look. Let me break it down. There is nothing higher than God. No, I need you to get that. When he says he's on his throne, there is nothing above him. So if you take the most powerful telescope and you see out into the sky, you're not even seeing his throne. You're not, you're not even seeing his throne because there's nothing higher than God. Oh, my goodness. That ought to humble us right there. Nothing is higher than God. And we just read from verse 4 to verse 5. He's declaring that. He said there's nothing higher than God. Not our emotions, not our feelings, not our finance. Nothing is higher than God. That God sits on a throne and there's no one, no one, no one, no one. Nothing is above his throne. Come on, church. Come on, church. That's the God we serve. Not some false God made by man's hand. Come on, somebody. We serve a God who needs nobody to declare he's God. That he is God all by himself. He doesn't need nobody else to be like, come on, edify me. I need it. God's like, I am God and there's no one like me. Oh, my God. That's why the church is strong. That's why we're overcomers. You got to know the character of God. If there's nothing higher than God. You say with confidence, I'm the head and not the tail. Come on. I'm above and not beneath. Ooh, that's so good. See, we don't understand favor because we don't know how high God is. And we're going to get to how Mary really, in Mary's song, what she was declaring, is so powerful for the season. It's absolutely amazing. And so when we take a look at it, it means God looks down. So watch this now. So here it is. This is so cool. When I read this. So every time God looks around heaven, it's a humbling experience for him. In other words, he sits on the throne and there's nothing higher. Well, there's a, so, see, I can't even use an illustration because no matter where I go, there's something else higher than me. But God is high above everything else. So when he looks down, he's actually humbling himself. Oh. He's choosing. Oh, come on. To get up from his throne, still be God, but humbles to look and say, let's see what's going on. Oh. Because nothing is higher than him. That's why God is not humble. Because nothing is higher than God. He doesn't humble. He can't. But what he does, he says he humbles to look and still be God. And the first thing he wants to understand is that his love is so powerful that it was love that made him say, let me humble to look. That his holiness, and he sits on this throne, the size. Now read Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the what? 
heavens, he humbled himself. Come on. So in the beginning doesn't mean in the beginning God. It means God in the beginning humbled himself. So time came out of God. God is not measured by time, not controlled by time. Time came out of him. He says, time, boom. Now let me humble myself. In the beginning, God. Oh, Talk about an overcomer when you understand that, that time came out. That's why time doesn't heal. God heals. Come on, somebody. That's why a thousand years is one day to the Lord as one day is a thousand years. So when God says, wait, he said, it's in my time because time came out of me. Oh, that is so good. So, so good. I was like, oh, my goodness, Lord God Almighty. So there is not a world which he does not survey constantly. There's not a planet that can say God can't reach here. There is not a situation that you can say that God cannot handle. Because, see, his throne is set up on high. Now go to Isaiah chapter 6, the commission. And now you see why Isaiah had to react the way he reacted. He says the year that King Uzziah died. Now some preach that Uzziah was in the way of Isaiah. Yes, good preaching. But the reality was it was given a timeline. It was saying if you want to check the historical account of what happened in the year King Uzziah died, that's a date I saw the Lord with fresh vision. And he was high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And so you and I need to have a definite time where we can say, not only did we, not only did we understand, but we encountered God at this particular time. We typically use it by saying, when did you get saved? And that becomes the mark or the time that we say this is when we experienced or we encountered God. But God wants us to recognize now that there's something deeper, that God actually looks down. So love looks down, and that's so amazing. But perhaps some are saying, well, is God looking down with disapproval? So you hear all this stuff, but you're looking at your life when you wonder, God, are you looking down with disapproval? Are you looking at my guilt? Are, 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 you, are you mad? Are you, are you sad? What is it, God? And, and, so, and so here's the deal. We have to understand that when God says he looks down, he looks down to be God. In other words, he says, I'm looking down to save you from your sins, that it has to be what I've declared. God says, when I speak something, it must come to pass. That when I speak something, my purpose says, when I speak my word, it will not return void. It will accomplish that which I've sent it for to do. And so when God looked down, he says, now let's create heaven and earth. God looks down and he says, now let's make man in our likeness, in our image. God gave the word and it has to be what God says it has to be. Someone needs to know that this morning. He humbles to look. So what does God see when he looks? Well, first thing is that he looks and he sees the angels. And and, and he says, you can come into my presence. And the angels we read in Isaiah 6, and they cry what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's a picture of the angels that are recognizing that when love looks down, they realize, oh my goodness, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's the angels giving God praise. Saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The old earth is full of his glory. But he doesn't just stop there. 
He goes further. He looks down. And he says he beholds the stars. He beholds the sun and the moon. He beholds all the different things that God created in the Genesis account of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And he humbles himself to look lower. He said, okay, the angelic beings are here. And that's where Lucifer, remember I talked about the fallen world? That's where Lucifer had, I don't know, he lost his mind. Because Lucifer was in charge of all the angels to give God worship. There was nothing higher. And that's why when you read Isaiah, he says, I will make my throne above. That's pride. That's pride. Man wasn't created yet. These are just the angels. And here Lucifer says that I'm going to be above. And God's like, it is literally impossible. Listen, there was no contest between Lucifer and God. There wasn't this rustling match of like, oh. It was literally like. I mean, come on. Come on. So the devil makes himself bigger than he really is. To intimidate you and I from seeing how big God is. Oh, that's so good. Because he doesn't want us to humble ourselves. Come on. To see the bigness of God. But he humbles. This is God. He humbles to look. And so he goes even lower. And so here in Psalms 8, if, real quick, turn to Psalms 8, verse 3 and 4. Because someone needs to realize. He's not looking down from disapproval. He's looking down because his word was spoken. And God is committed to his word more than you're committed to his word. And God has spoken over this nation. He has declared over this nation that there's a righteous remnant of people who are humble because they recognize the favor of God. Psalms 8, verse 3 and 4. Look what it says. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the star which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? It takes my breath away that when I look up, God humbles to look down. I quote, he's a sovereign God who not only is above everything, but he's a sovereign God who humbles to look because he intimately cares for you and I. What is man that you are mindful of me? When you look at all that's going on and God say, I humble to look. Why? Because I gave my word. Receive that. Somebody over here. God has given you a word and it will not return void because he humbles to come and look and see the word must manifest in your life. And what happens is that we don't really praise God because we're not sure God can perform what he says. God, don't you see my situation? How in the world is this going to work out? But when you have faith to know that God is for you, not against you, and when you understand that the heavens come on and that the earth, that God is above all those things, you humble yourself and you say, God, you are in control. You're in control. So this morning, God wants to give somebody here a fresh vision. And he gives us the example of Mary in the scriptures. And it's from this context of understanding what it means to be humble. It's from this place now we recognize really the song that Mary was singing as she went to Elizabeth, who also was pregnant with with John the Baptist. So get the picture of these two pregnant ladies. 
So you got one that's past the age of childbearing, miracle of God. And I'm here to tell you that we have faith that there might be someone who's here and you're married and you've been trying to have children or you know a friend. We've got to get to the place where we just believe God. God, we speak life. Come on, somebody. Because we're seeing God in the age of Elizabeth and, 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 and Zechariah. And they were saying, I'm past the age of biological. There's no way. And God speaks through his angel Gabriel and says, you will have a child. And the father, come on, somebody. Says there's no way this is going to happen. And his mouth was closed. Because God says, I'm humble to look. And I've selected you two. But God, don't you know what time it is? It is past the time of having a child. You don't understand. Time came out of me. Someone needs to grab a hold of that. I'm just, the presence of God is so thick here this morning. That some of you are just glowing. Literally, when I'm up here, some of you are just you're glowing because you're realizing, oh, my goodness, God's giving me a fresh vision of his glory. And you're glowing right now. Oh, let's just take a pause right there for a moment. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. No matter what time it is, God is saying, I humble to look. And so it's my time. It is my will. It is my desire. It's about me. There's nothing above me. Ooh, God. Nothing is above me. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened. Because with God, all things are possible, saith God. Come on. I'm going to keep preaching until someone gets this. So don't blame me if we go to 3 o'clock. Someone just not obeying God. It's me. You're like Jonah. You know what I mean? They're throwing their stuff over. And like, who is it? And Jonah's sleeping. And God is wanting us to move. And that's why sometimes we sing and we stay on a song. Why? Because one person can hold back where God says, I'm not leaving it. Because when I look down, love looks down. And there's someone here who needs me. I know there's a bunch of people. Can I preach thing like I know it? Jesus is walking, and the crowd is coming on him. (laughs) He's walking. Jesus is walking, and the crowd is there. But there's a woman, come on, somebody, who has an issue of blood for 12 years. He's on his way to heal a child that is 12 years old that is sick and dying. But he runs across someone who's been ill for 12 years. So we have two dimensions of time. Oh, come on, somebody. Just like Elizabeth in her age and Mary in her. Come on. God wants you to understand whatever the perspective of time is on this narrative that God can still operate in your life. And so Jesus is moving like he's moving in every worship service. He's moving. He's moving. And he stops. He says, who touched me? And the disciples said, what do you mean? Everyone's high. Come on. Everyone is at your level, Jesus. He says, no, somebody touched me. Somebody went low. Come on. Somebody somebody humbled themselves and went low. Come on. And so Jesus realized, now, I humble to look down. Oh, my God. Who touched me? And God is saying this morning, somebody's going low to touch him because you think time is winning. But God wants you to know time came out of me, baby. And I'm looking down and I call the shots. I say when it's over. Come on. I'm the one that says I'm the one counting. Not the devil counting you out. One, two, three, four. God said, you better get up. 
devil can't knock you out. It's so good. Ooh, someone needs to receive that right now. My God. You're glowing. Come on. You're glowing. Hallelujah. Come on. You're shining. Why? Because you understand that God humbles to look. And here is the key. Right here. Love looked on me. The woman with the issue of blood. Jesus says, who touched me? And he says, there are so many people here. He says, no, someone touched me. Somebody went humble. Come on, someone went low. Mm. Someone recognized I wasted all my money. Come on. I spent all my money. Somebody, somebody went low. And touched the hem of my garment. And stopped Jesus so he can look down. And with love, he says, woman, that faith has made you whole. Come on. Come on. Come on. He's saying, stop trying to go so high and go low and go low. I finished last week and I said that God leaves the humble in the land. Why? Because he has a purpose. He has a purpose of bringing his son into this earth. And that's a template. So Jesus coming is an example of how God is going to do things in the earth. And you want to know why? Because he only spent three and a half years on the earth. And he says, I've empowered you now, not just to function in my absence, but to be free. Come on. Not to function in my absence, but to be free. Stick with me. And so he comes now. And so when we look at the story of Christmas, we understand that we have to look at what God did in terms of humble to look down. And here's the key. Write this down. Love looked on me. Love looked on me. Yes, you. Yes, you. God is talking to you. If I can be so bold as to have you in the old school preaching, touch your neighbor and says, God's talking to you. Come on. God is talking to you. Why? Because love looked on me and that is where we get where Mary is. And so here it is now that the angel, watch this now, the angel comes on assignment from God because God humbles to look and the angel Gabriel comes now and, and so he's declaring this thing over to Mary. Mary's now with Elizabeth and we see Elizabeth and Mary and the Bible says that, that the baby in both of them, they leaped. It's like, ooh, this thing is good. When you get a word from God, come on, and you get around somebody else with a word from God, there is a divine connection that takes place. Come on, because what is in their belly, come on, you recognize what you're carrying is what they're carrying as well. Love looked on me. But God, I'm full of guilt. No, love looked on me. But God, people have overlooked me. But no, love looked on me. And so in Luke chapter 1, I love Luke because Luke honors and uplifts ladies. He, he, he's writing this letter to Theophilus. Uh, he's writing this account of Jesus. And that's why we have to be careful because we should be able to preach a Christmas message in July. So we celebrate the season in December. But the meaning of it should be preached in July. In June, in August, in September, in October, every month we should preach the message because it's significant in our life. And so Luke writes down, he said, this is the account of Jesus. This is what, this is what happened. And he's given this amazing, amazing, not just story, but an account of the birth of Jesus. 
But before he gives that, he's in Luke chapter 1, and he says this. And, and so Mary gets this greeting by Elizabeth, and here is Mary's response now. In verse 46, let's look at this. In verse 46, Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and 49. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit, what? Rejoice in the God, my what? Not my flesh rejoice. Not my soul rejoice. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has what? Looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Some of you are afraid to even say that because you're like, what? We have to open our mouth because we have God's love and we're free. And we're going to say, every generation is going to call me blessed. My kids are going to call me blessed. Yes, Danny and Liz are going to call me blessed. Because God looked down on me. God looked on me they're going to call me blessed and so we limit this to the to the catholics and, and the elevation of mary and that's not what the scriptures talk about luke is writing to give someone an account of jesus that's what he's saying and she's saying listen she was so humble that she can talk faith she was so humble that she could make a declaration that people think what are you arrogant she goes no 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 you have to understand listen she said i go low so god makes me high come on mm. All generations will call me blessed. In other words, I'll be relevant in every age. That I have purpose in every age. That all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? So what is going to be your confession when God looks on you? Are you going to remind him of the guilt and of the fallen world? Are you just going to tell God, I'm only function? Are you going to say, no, the favor of God is on me, and all generations will call me blessed? And that's why if we don't win this war, come on, somebody, let me rephrase that. God's already won the war, but if we don't win the battle for this nation, we're going to have a generation who's going to raise up and don't know God. Come on, and they're going to be confused, and they don't know, but God is saying to the body of Christ, come on, declare that righteousness rules and reigns, and God is looking on a generation that's confused because they're full of pride, expressing themselves but having no knowledge of God. Love looked on me. And the second part as we launch out is this. Love lifted me up. Write that down. Love lifted me up. Don't you keep your head down, church. Come on. Don't you sit there and sing the blues. No. Mary was singing a song of praise and rejoicing. Don't you let the devil mess with you any longer that your head is down. No, 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 baby. God and his love lifts me up. And so in Luke chapter 1, verse 50, he continues on. The New Living Translation, he says this. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Oh, my God. We have lost the fear of God. Listen, if you're going to read the book of Revelation, because we're in the end times, remember the first couple of chapters talk about repentance. (laughs) Don't jump to the mark of the beast without looking at repentance. (laughs) I don't like this. Oh, here it is. He says, repent. Repent. Cry out for mercy. 
not for vengeance. Cry out for mercy. We hear some of these people calling us stuff like, you want people kill? Come on, no. Cry out that God will have mercy on this nation because God in his righteousness can wipe out every single one of us if he wants to, that none is righteous. But because we're favored by God, we remind God, God, will you look down, remember me? Look down, remember me. Have mercy on me and my family on this nation. Have mercy. People are confused, but have mercy. Snatch him from the fire, James talks about. Love lifted me up. It's mercy. My God, for those who fear him from generation to generation. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. Come on. And exalted those who are of humble estate. Church, here's the picture of what's going on. Yeah, the church that Jesus is building, the remnant, not the American church, but the church in America. Preacher, you keep saying that. Yes, because there's a difference. The American church is just functioning. <laughs> and I won't say they won't make it to heaven. They probably will. Oh, I thought it was God speaking. <laughs> I'm like, confirmation. I'm like, is this? <laughs> I'm like, where did that sound come from? I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh, my word. I'm like, oh. <laughs> what a confirmation. I'm saying. So you have to understand, your pastor, when he says that there's a difference between the American church and the church in America, God sent me to wake up the American church. Come on. And to say, humble yourself. And to the church in America, rise up. Come on. Ooh, shaka. He said, love is lifting you up. And so to the remnant, to those who are fighting the battle because you know God has won the war. And because of things that are happening, because you're still part of this fallen world system. He's saying, I will not leave you nor forsake you. Love lifted me up. And here's the picture of what's going on. Right now, you have, you, you, you have leaders all over this world that is fighting for power because of pride. At the root of it, people, it's pride. It's not your health. It's pride. Functioning, perhaps, but falling, it's pride. And until we get that right, we're going to lose the battle when God's already won the war. And the enemy is going to distract us because you're trying to function in a fallen world. He says, no, you are free because you're my remnant. Come on. And love lifted me up. Am I helping anybody? So when you take a cause that is righteous, understand that the proud will be torn down. That was good right there to free somebody up. And so he sends me to this nation. Yes, you're going to hear it over and over again. Why? Because the time is short. And the church in America, the remnant that we live in a nation at this particular point, that's free. But we must understand if the church doesn't rise up, then the world is in trouble. Come on, somebody. And I didn't choose it. God looked on this nation. Yes, with all the baggage, God still looked and said, I'm going to bless this nation. And so we must learn when to repent. Come on, somebody. But also went to stand up strong. Repent of our sins of our forefathers, yes. But don't lose our heritage and what God is doing in this nation. We can do both. Why? Because God is high. We go low. 
Oh, I'm feeling God in this place. Somebody's glowing right now. Somebody here. Somebody here. You're glowing. You're glowing. God is giving you a prophetic word. God is giving you answers. You're recognized now that God has looked down. He's looked down and he's humbled himself and he sees where you are. And you have to start to declare now, listen, that anything that is above God will be brought down. God brings down the mighty. I'm going to sit in because you got to get this. The fallen world of which leaders live in, it's full of pride. Every decision they make is because of pride. There's no good in what they're doing. There isn't any good. It's a fallen, demonic system that they have agreed with. That's why you must pray for their souls. Come on. I don't care what side. I don't care up, down, around the corner. If you live in a fallen world system, you are governed by the prince of the power of the air. And so church, then we must move from just having people function to understand the freedom. And the freedom comes when we go low. Love lifted me up. So you see, God's favor is for the humble and they will shine. His rescue and grace, I quote, will arrive as we look at the season that we're in the real thing about the season is this that God kept his word that he humbled himself to look and he saw mankind he saw what was going on and God kept his word he kept his word Psalms 40 verse 2 we'll end with this Psalms 40, verse 2. Let's end with this. Oh, someone say, God, keep your word. Come on. God, keep your word. Keep your word. Keep your word. Why are you humble? Because God keeps his word. When someone tells you I'm humble, they're not humble. (laughs) That just defeats the whole point. When you ask, how come you're humble? That's different because God keeps his word. You you achieve great success. How do you not become proud? You tell people, God kept his word. Yeah, but you did something. No, 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 no. God looked on me with love and God kept his word. How do you have a successful family? Come on. That's why church is so important because bring your success. Come on. And people ask, how did you do it? You tell them, well, because God kept his word. God kept his word. How do you do this? God kept his word. And so in Psalms 40 verse 2, it says this. Listen to this. He lifted me up out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on what? Solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. Psalms 40 verse 3. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. With every head bowed, every eyes closed. Oh, man, got to get you out of here. I don't know who it is, but for someone this morning, it's a new beginning for you. It's a new beginning for you this morning. It's a new beginning. It's a new beginning. You're glowing. The favor of God is on your life. And I am praying that you, at the word of God spoken over you, will be what Mary said at the end of it, be it unto me according to your word. 
That's the confession right now. Be it to me according to your word. Come on, look at God's word. It humbles us. It makes us realize that, God, you are great and above all things. Be it according to your word. Oh, Jesus. Be it according to your word, Lord. As I launched this morning, as Danny keeps playing, I am convinced that there's God is glowing. I was I was looking at some people. And I don't want to call their names out because we're on Facebook in here, but 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 I looked at you when we were worshiping, and I just saw you were glowing. You were glowing. You were glowing. You were glowing. I want to pray for you. I want you to understand how vital your assignment really is, that you're bringing a freedom that God is, that God is humbled to look and he sees you. He's looking on you. Would you head by your eyes closed? Father, I pray for those individuals that today is their day. Perhaps another day will be somebody else, but today is the day where they're saying, Lord, um, be it according to your word. And I humble myself and I come to receive all that you have for me. And like Mary, you're giving me a new song A praise unto God. If that's you, I want to invite you to this altar where we will pray over you and with you in the name of Jesus. If that's you, I want you to come at this time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be it according to your word. You're holding on to a promise from God and time is getting away from you. But you realize this morning that time came out of God and God humbles to look and he sees where I'm at. And so therefore, I want God to shine in my life. God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. So good. Thirty more seconds. Perhaps you're functioning right now and your mind is at a place of where you're thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I want you to come as well. God didn't just call you to function. God called you to a freedom. Anxiety is real. Come on. In these last two years, anxiety is at an all-time high, but it's not above the throne of God. Come on. Depression has increased, but guess what? It's not above the throne of God. And so anything that you're facing right now, God wants us according to my word that I will bring peace to your mind. I will bring joy to your soul. I will renew your spirit. I want you to come as well. That you're not just coming because you want to function. You're coming because you want to walk in this freedom. In this freedom, in this freedom, in this freedom. In this freedom.